What a different Lord's Day morning. This is the first time in the history of Christ's Presbyterian Church on a Lord's Day that the minister is preaching in a room of empty chairs and you are home with your family waiting to hear a message from God's Word on our website. This morning, we will not be together in the same room corporately voicing our call to worship. We will not be together greeting our Lord in praise as our worship begins. We will not have the privilege of hearing Jay encourage us to sing as he dynamically leads us on the piano. I'm seeing each of your faces singing, praying, and responding to the preaching, as you always do. You don't know how much your attentive expressions encourage me in the preaching of God's Word. There is one thing that will not change this morning. I've approached this message as I always do. You will hear me preach like I've always strived to do. I want to open God's word and hear him speak to us where we are on March 22nd, 2020. We are facing health and economic crises. These are serious times that demand serious answers. So let's open our Bibles to Isaiah 40. I will only read the last part of the chapter. We will go back and look at the earlier verses and see how they relate to what we read. We'll begin reading with in the 40th chapter with verse 25. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high. Who created these, the starry hosts? Who brings out their number one by one, calling them each by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing? So why do you say, O Jacob? Why do you complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. And my righteous cause is disregarded by my God. Why have you said that? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Let's pray together. Our Father, we're separated from each other this morning. Brothers and sisters in Christ who cannot join corporately this morning to worship. That Father, we can praise you where we are. 
And we can be joined as one in Christ because you are present as our Father. Where each of us are at this moment. Oh, Father, we pray that we would hear your word in our hearts this morning. That you would give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, minds that understand. Our Father, we pray for each other. As fellow priests, we pray for each other. We pray that you would build a hedge around our homes, around our lives, around our children's lives, around our grandchildren's lives. We pray that you would keep us from this disease, keep us from this virus. Our Father, where we are already ill, we pray that you would bring healing. We pray in our congregation that not one will be lost to this disease. Keep each one of us where we are. And now we pray that you would teach us that you would strengthen our hearts, strengthen our minds for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Where can I be safe? G. Campbell Morgan was a well-known British theologian, minister, and author. He was the senior minister of Westminster Chapel in London. He mentored the renowned Martin Lloyd-Jones, who followed him as minister of Westminster Chapel in 1943. Early in my ministry, I learned something that became vital to my preaching and to my thinking from G. Campbell Morgan. He wisely said that we must always interpret circumstances starting with God, understanding who God is. He said we must not start with the circumstances and then interpret God. He said this, we're compelled to look again at this dark hour from the standpoint of the abiding, unchanging certainty of God. He said those words when England was in a national crisis. I want to say them again. We are compelled to look again at this dark hour from the standpoint of the abiding, unchanging certainty of God. So how do we apply G. Campbell's, G. Campbell Morgan's thinking and his statement to where we are right now? How do we look at COVID-19? Do we look at COVID-19 and interpret God? Or do we look at God in his sovereignty, in his power, in his omniscience, interpret COVID-19? Isaiah understood 
what Morgan was saying. When he penned the verses we read a moment ago, he was writing for the editorial page of the Jerusalem Gazette. The year was about 700 B.C. The armies, first of Assyria and then of Babylon, had laid siege to Jerusalem. There was a reality of horror to their predicament. They could look over the actual walls of the city of Jerusalem and see the great armies of the nations of Assyria and then later Babylon camped within 200 yards of the city. There was no Geneva Convention. They knew when, Gen when Jerusalem fell, there would be awful carnage. There would be pillage with no pretense of morality. The, the morality of the day was to the victor goes spoils. There was no safe place. That was the situation when Isaiah wrote these words. People were looking around and saying, where is God? How can a God of love let this happen? Why are the pagans prospering against us? Why doesn't God save us? They were interpreting God by the circumstances of the day. Isaiah wrote these words saying, you have it wrong. You better be interpreting the circumstances by the almighty, holy, everlasting, unchanging, omnipotent, omniscient God. If you want to know what is happening and where you are, look to God and understand who he is, and then you will understand the world around you. Today, we look out from our cities, our towns, we look out from our states and nations, and we see the threat of a tiny virus that we call COVID-19. Over the last month, with the passing of each day and week, we have become more and more alarmed. This morning finds us hunkered down in our homes, wisely hunkered down in our homes. And we find ourselves in the midst of a pandemic. A pandemic is a global outbreak of disease. Pandemics happen when a new virus emerges to infect people and can spread between people uninhibited because there is little or no pre-existing immunity against a new virus. Thus, it spreads quickly worldwide. We were asking what the people of Jerusalem, we are asking what the people of Jerusalem were asking. Where can I be safe? Where is a safe place? Isaiah did not say, look at the circumstances and interpret God. He said with G. Campbell Morgan, let's look first at God, understand who he is, understand his omnipotence, his sovereignty, his justice, his long-suffering patience, his long-suffering grace. As we look at this passage, first, I want you to see that there is no safety in the power of a nation. Look at verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord, or instructed him, or his counselor? 
Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And to, who taught him the right way? And then in verse 15, he says, Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. Verse 23, he brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground. Then he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like the chaff. How did Isaiah begin the passage? He said, look at God. Look at his sovereignty. Were you there when he created the world? He's sovereign over the nations. He was saying to Israel, there's a greater power than Babylon. There's no nation equal to his power. Now think about those words in the ears of the people of Jerusalem, looking out at the most powerful armies in the world. Think about those words in their ears as they looked at the military cruelty of Assyria and then later at the magnificent power of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. Isaiah was saying, these great nations are to God like grasshoppers are to us. They're like a drip that falls into a bucket. You see, in the court of the kings of Judah, there were strategists who said, let's seek an alliance with Assyria. And we will be saved. Others said, let us seek an alliance with Egypt and we will be saved. Isaiah was saying, you don't understand. You will not be safe in the protection of those nations. God is over those nations. In Isaiah 31.1, he had warned against Israel doing those exact things alliances. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitudes of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not, but they do not look to the Holy One of Israel. They don't seek help from the Lord. What does this say to us? Most of us take great comfort in the fact that the United States is the most powerful nation in the world. We have advanced medical systems. We have, a, we have a position that others do not have in the battle against this virus. What do we do with this? We should encourage our leaders in every way. Follow their leadership in the battle against this virus. We should enjoy the blessings that God has given. He has given us the hospitals. He's given us the government. We must do this as individuals, as families, as churches. But we must also know that God is sovereign over the nation. We read in Scripture that God laughs at the arrogance and power of nations. There's a story in 2 Kings 19 about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, laying siege to Jerusalem. Everyone knew Jerusalem would fall. No one, no nation could stand against them. Sennacherib was arrogant. He made fun of the God of Israel. Then in one night, 185,000 of his soldiers died from a plague. 
The siege was over. He went back home defeated. Israel had not lifted a sword or thrown a spear. God showed what he could do with a simple plague. Isaiah would say to us, here in our place in 2020, your safety, your real safety is not in your great power. Don't you see what happened? It wasn't an army of 10 million. It's not an army of 10 million that is threatening your physical and economic welfare. It's only a microscopic virus. There's no power. There's no safety in the power of an individual nation. There's no power. There's no safety in the collective power of nations. Secondly, we read this passage and it says to us, there's no safety in the gods we've created for ourselves. Look at verse 18. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. What was the problem of Isaiah's day? They had filled their lives with idols. The people had forsaken the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to become a religious, pluralistic society. They had hundreds of other gods. I will say to you this morning, the same thing that Isaiah said to Israel as Isaiah looked to God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is God, and there is none other. You're free to believe in other gods. I would not force a man by law or weapons to worship him, but I will tell you, that there's no safety in simply being religious. The Bible teaches that there's only one God and only one way to him. If we call upon other gods to save us, then we are calling on gods who do not exist. Then there are the great idols of our lands that we have created, the gods of materialism, the gods of money, the idols of power, the idol and the gods of autonomy, wanting to be free from any restrictions, wanting to live our lives as we please, and then the idols of pleasure. You and I know, we know, men and women worship at these idols across our land daily. Christians worship at these idols daily. As I said in the last point, if you really cut most Americans open, we're thinking that our power and our money and our will to survive will rescue us. People, 19 years ago, God sent us a message. Twelve men from a nation that was not a world power with wire cutters and knives, brought down the twin towers of the World Trade Center. They attacked the Pentagon. Two of the greatest symbols of the power of our power and wealth 
were attacked. In the years of 2007 through 2011, God turned us over to our greed and materialism that brought on a worldwide recession. Many in our land have never fully recovered from that. And now in 2020, we're we are seeing a small virus seriously threaten our health and our economy. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the great Russian writer, thinker, philosopher, he was a Christian. He said that he heard when he was a child, as his elders sought to explain the ruinous upheavals in Russia, they would say, his elders would say, men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. When he was exiled from Russia, after winning the Nobel Prize, he came to the United States and lived here for some time. Speaking at a university, as he was being awarded a degree, he said this, If I were called upon to identify briefly the principal trait of the entire 20th century, here too, I would be unable to find anything more precise and pithy than to repeat once again, men have forgotten God. In Isaiah chapter 40, God was saying to Israel, he's saying to us, there's no absolute safety in the power of nations. There's no safety in the gods we've created for ourselves. And lastly, here comes the encouragement. There is perfect safety. There's a wonderful safety in God alone. Look at the beautiful words. Maybe this minute, maybe this message has been a bit discouraging to you. Well, it should not be. Because look at Isaiah 40, 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. People, there is safety in his omnipotence. There's safety in his omniscience. There's safety in his grace. What is the largest thing that you know? What's the largest, most powerful thing that we can know in this physical universe? It's the universe itself. Millions of galaxies with billions of stars and planets and moons and asteroids and comets. So when God wanted to talk about his power, he pointed to the largest thing we know. He pointed in this passage to the universe. He mentioned the nations. He mentioned the idols. He said, now let me mention the greatest power. Look at verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? It's not the nations. It's not the idols. 
To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Look at the heavens. Look at the stars. Look at who created all of these. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Before I knew what this passage said, I would wonder in my skepticism, what about those people that lived thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago? Do you realize that billions, trillions of people have have inhabited this planet? How can God keep up with all of them? Certainly, they will not be raised up. They will not be remembered. They will not be raised up to face him. Well, look at verse 26 again. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Who created all of these? He brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Do you see that? There are billions, there are trillions out there, and he knows each by name. And he calls each one out. And every day and every night, and not one of them is missing. What was Isaiah saying? Israel, the hand that holds the universe. The God who knows the name of every star and planet and moon and asteroid and comet. He knows your name. He knows our names. Jesus said it this way in John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. Who can snatch them out of my father's hand? Do you see that? We're this morning, this evening, whenever you're listening, we we are in his hands, the hands of Jesus, the hands of God Almighty. Where can I be safe? There is only one place. Robert Bruce, the great leader of Scotland, was running for his life. The enemy was right on his heels. If they caught him, death was certain. He saw a cave with a very small opening and he crawled into the darkness. Just after he entered, a spider began to weave a web across the entrance. Shortly, his pursuers arrived. They too spotted the cave, but turned away when they saw the spider's web. They reasoned he could not have entered the cave without destroying the web. Bruce recorded this prayer that he prayed. God, I thank thee that in the tiny bowels of a spider, you can place for me a shelter. That brings us full circle. Let's return to Isaiah 40. What does all this mean? It means that we have strength to stand in dark times. In hard times, in times of disease and economic hardship. It means we have strength to stand, a place to stand and not be shaken. It means we can stare in the face and not be shaken. It means we have a supernatural strength that will not wear out. 
and not be exhausted. We're in the hand of God. We're in his everlasting arms. The father was in the family pool in the backyard. He was holding his three-year-old son. As he walked in the shallow water, he splashed water upon the child. Then he began to walk slowly toward the deep end, deeper and deeper. As the water rose higher on the child, the child's face registered panic. He felt uneasy, and he held all the more tightly to his father, who, of course, was easily walking along the bottom of the pool. Had the little boy been able to analyze the situation, he would have realized that there was no reason for anxiety. The water's depth in any part of the pool was over his head. Even in the shallowest part, if he had been dropped, he would have drowned. His safety anywhere in that pool depended on his dad. At various points in our lives, like this present time, we're apt to feel that we're out of our depth. Problems abound. How are we going to see ourselves through this? Our temptation is to panic. We feel like we've lost control. Yet, as with the child in the pool, the truth is, in every place and every time, we have been held in his hands. Even when we felt quite comfortable with the situations and good about where we are, we were only held by his hand. And when we come to those times where we're threatened, we're still in his hand. We're still in his arms. And God is never, never, never out of his depth. That's our place of safety. We alone, we alone find peace and calm and confidence being held in that safe place. Amen.